Right. Hey, Freddie. Hey, Craig. It is a, a pleasure to uh, to be sharing this this virtual stage with you. Nice one. Yeah, same. Uh, pleasure is mine. I'm excited uh, for this one because it's like this is my kind of jam. This is shit I love, and uh, and why I wanted to get you on and um, have a conversation with you was uh, when I, f I found out. I'll get you to tell what race it was, but like, what what was the what was the race that you competed in? So I'm going to murder this pronunciation, uh, but it uh, the way I say it is, is the Marathon de Saab, which uh, is commonly known as uh, as the world's toughest foot race, which uh, effectively it's 250 miles through the Sahara Desert in uh, in six days. So think of running seven marathons, six days self-supported, rationed water uh, in the most inhospitable place on earth. I should have gone to Ibiza, Craig. That was it. Should have gone to Ibiza instead. Absolutely not. That's fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> when, I, when I found that out, um, I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's insane. But like, what I was interested the most is just like, yes, is like going to, to do... Well, have, you, have you done much like that before? Have you done much... Um, well, here's here's the thing. Like, I'm not a natural runner. Um, we all know the running types out there. They, you know, they they live in lycra. They talk about pacing and running shoes and running shit and all this stuff. That was not me. You know, this was my very first ultra marathon. I'd attempted a marathon, uh, the London Marathon, about five years earlier. I'd had absolutely blown up on my ass. It had taken me six hours. I'd had to stop for a cry halfway round. I think I pooed my pants at some stage. It was literally, everyone's like, oh, the London Marathon, darling. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's fantastic experience. Worst day of my life. And uh, so I went into this, this race, the world's toughest race. Um, not a natural runner. In fact, when I signed up for the race 18 months earlier, um, I couldn't run around my block, uh, certainly without stopping for a beer and a cigarette. I was unfit, I was unhealthy, I was stressed, I was depressed, I hated my life. And I thought I need to challenge myself in some way. I need to test myself and see what I'm truly capable of. And, and that's why I ended up signing up for this race. That's why I found myself on the start line in the Sahara Desert with all these seasoned pros and you know, some of the best athletes in the world thinking what am I doing here but but I managed to to make it happen what was like on the start line is like what was what was going through your head when you're on the start line um terror pretty much pure pure terror I mean you know you so much is said around imposter syndrome and feeling like we're not good enough and wondering if we're able to you know, walk the walk, let alone run the run, let alone run the run in the hardest, hottest, toughest place on earth. But it was mainly a, a mixture of fear and I think disbelief, because if I'm totally honest with you, I think a big part of me never really believed it would happen. Like, you know, we all have these things, don't we? Like, yeah, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to run that race. I'm going to start that business. I'm going to achieve that goal. And we kind of, I was like this. I, I I told these stories to myself and to anyone that would listen, and and I I just never really believed that I'd do it. But I found myself on this start line, 
and it looks like something out of a war movie. Like just ahead of you, all you can see is an endless expanse of sand. You've got media helicopters buzzing 50 feet above your head. You've got all these these people around you. You know, it felt like kind of, you know, obviously it wasn't D-Day, but it felt like that kind of experience where you're about to storm into this environment that's designed where humans you know aren't supposed to live and, and yeah it, it was fear and disbelief and, and a lot of self-doubt as well like I say I was totally out of my comfort zone I didn't know how I was going to cope um, but I knew I had to take that first step forward I took that first step and then the next step and a further step and, and then I, I just managed to, to keep on going so, so what was the when was the point where you like obviously you go from um attempting the london marathon like shit in your pants having a cry taking six hours mm. um to the decision to go you know what i'm gonna run the hardest fucking race in the world <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a a bit of a journey as they say i mean what's i'm I ran the, the the Sahara Desert, I think when I was 36, I signed up, it must have been, you know, when I was 35, there or thereabouts. My life, certainly from the age of 30 to 35, has been like so many other men. You know, I'd, I had the, the corporate job, which was all right. You know, I was, I was kind of like a mid-manager level in a corporate job, but it was highly pressurized highly stressful i was doing the you know the, the, i was in the, the uk at the time i was doing the train commute from liverpool to manchester and back every day just standing on that train pressed up against the window i was usually hung over and and i was just I, I was a pissed off guy and i was pissed off that i wasn't living up to my true potential i was doing this job as i say that i didn't really like i was on this commute train every day thinking there's got to be more to life than this. And because I was getting slowly more pissed off, slowly more resentful, it meant I was drinking too much. I was eating crap. I, you know, I, I was married. I had a couple of young kids, like many guys in their 30s do, um, which was amazing. You know, I, I, I love my kids and that was a, a wonderful gift. But I found myself this, I said, this guy in his early 30s, job mortgage marriage kids on the sofa every night drinking beers pizza or curry at the weekend just living in that cycle that cycle that daily daily cycle and I just some days it felt like I just wanted to scream and I wanted to scream like this isn't me and this isn't the life that I thought I create for myself I always thought things would be different that they'd be fun and enjoyable but I kind of beaten that out of myself you know life's not supposed to be fun you're grown up now you've got responsibilities now you've got kids now you've got a mortgage now and and yeah I had these goals and dreams I told myself that yeah I'd, I'd still do them you know I, I was still going to be this this amazing warrior type straight after the next promotion the next pay rise the next house the next car the next holiday the next birthday the next new year all these things later 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 in the future I put it off more and more. I became more unfit, more unhealthy, more stressed, more depressed. My mental health was on its ass. And, and then one day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live anymore. I looked at myself in the mirror and I saw this guy 
He was overweight. He looked like shit. He had bloodshot eyes. He had a beer belly. He had like nicotine stained teeth. I just saw this like monster looking back at me. <laughs> I was like, shit, that's not the, you know, where, where's the fun, happy, healthy guy that I remember? Because that ain't me. Um, and then one day I was at work slumped in my desk you know you kind of you do the, the corporate thing where you got your it doesn't work on a podcast where you got your, your sort of your chin in your hand and you're slumped on your desk and you're kind of tapping on the keyboard and I was hung over and just my spreadsheet was crashing and I was like ah life is shit life can't get any worse what's going on and then the phone rang and um it was uh, a family member saying my dad was in hospital and it was the kind of phone call that you get where they say you need to drop everything and get here right now. So I walked out of the office with nothing but my suit and my laptop bag, jumped in a car, drove 200 miles to where my dad lived and uh, and then walked into the hospital. And to, to cut a, a long and painful story short, yeah, I was having a normal day. Lunchtime was normal. By dinner time, I watched my dad die. And I'd love to tell you that in that moment, it was like the Hollywood ending where I walked out of the hospital and the sunshine, you know, the beam of light hit me and like the, oh, no, great. I'm going I'm, to, I'm, this is it, the hero. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this new person. The truth is I partied harder. I drank more. I did more stupid things. I was more of a dick uh, in the next six months than ever before because I had this excuse. I was like, my dad's died. I felt sorry for myself. I'm a victim here. Feel sorry for me. And I acted like a, like a real dick. And then the one day on the 8th of March, 2019, I did wake up and I was like, you're wasting your life, Freddie. You need to give yourself one more shot and see what you're truly capable of. And that was the moment I tried to nurture this mindset that I could actually be that person that I knew I always believed I could be. And I signed up the desert race and literally took that first step you know, in, in a kind of like a, a pair of like baggy, heavy jogging bottoms and some like gap t-shirt running around my block in the middle of the night. So people didn't laugh at me. And I was like, shit, I just need to start doing this and, and, and try and be that person that I always wanted to be, that I always thought I could be um, because my dad's death couldn't be for nothing. There's like a couple of really some interesting points in that. Like the first thing, obviously, with your dad passing away, like where mm. like sh shitty things happen to us. But it's like again, it's like how how do you use that? And it can be quite touchy, isn't it? With 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 people where it's just like you know to have someone say to you in that time is like you know your dad passing and you're saying like you're partying harder, you do all this shit, and it's like you know because my dad died. It's like people want to be trying to be like sympathetic, but rather. Mm. Actually, if someone come up to you and said you say, "Hey," he's like, "I get it," but like, you'd be the fucking victim. And, exactly. And sometimes I feel we really need that, and it's just like this is that sometimes that harshness. It's not you don't even see it as harsh or like tough love that um, people talk about or being insensitive or stuff like this. And it, this is the thing where it's like, yeah, but I look at this in terms of like you need people around you that can say that to you as well. Say, look, you know, mm. I mean, it's like this. This is thing around empathy and compassion right it's just like you know you've got to be more empathetic more compassionate more kind is like yeah but sometimes kindness is actually telling somebody the truth uh just mm. get it look what you're doing you've been a victim and you're fucking things up you're right and it's 
it's such a crazy journey and like you know my me and my dad and you know we were never the kind of relationship where we'd like go to the football together or anything he just wasn't that kind of dad um but we had a we had a good relationship um yeah especially towards the end and it's, it's really it's a controversial thing to say potentially um but where i was in my life at the time when he died a tiny part of me I wouldn't say I was happy that he died, but kind of like, it gave me, it's like a get out of jail free card. Like it's literally like pretty much like, you know, like, like a, a blank check, like, um, like a free pass to just act like a dick. Like I say, I was partying where I was a heavy drinker anyway, before he died. I love my partying, you know, I love my clubbing. I love my going out. I'd always be the guy who was first at the bar, first person to get the shots in, first person to go to the nightclub. And a tiny part of me was like, I've just got all this attention. I've just got this excuse to drink every single day. I can go out every single, I can go, drowning my sorrows. That's a great thing. Oh, you need to drown your sorrows. Oh yeah, I need a medicinal whiskey because it's such a tough time at the moment. Um, I didn't I didn't do this trick because my dad died. It was just the way um, the, the calendar had, had worked out. And one of my best mate, my best man when I got married, he lives in Toronto now, and as luck would have it, I'd um, I'd booked to see him uh, to you know, have it like a boys' weekend in Toronto, and my dad had died suddenly about three days before this trip, and um, and they have a thing: do I cancel it? Do I not? And then everyone was like, "Oh, I think you should still go." And so I I went and I absolutely ripped the ass out of it. As like a I just had every excuse act like a dick, to party hard, to say yes to that drink, to say yes to every other substance, every other bad activity. So I was like, oh, my dad's died though. Um, feel sorry for me, because I feel sorry for me. And who, who's going to turn around and say, I think you're being a dick. So people did start almost having like an intervention and saying, you know, we're worried about you, you need to sort yourself out. But um, I say, even then it was, um a, a tough path to go on because i love that feeling of, of just feeling sorry for myself yeah i think when someone's actually have someone to say is like literally just like where it's and it's i, I see this as a more of a care and more of a love than people mm. kind of like you know just the sympathy thing and just kind of like you know just pass it off is because it's like you know kind of poor freddie and kind of validating the victim state it's like no freddie he's like you've been a fucking dick <laughs> that's like it, it, and it, some people that's harsh but it's just like because it's actually is like you sometimes it's you need to whack around the head don't you to go mm. there's, a, there's a huge emotional component to this which we as men tend to on a generalization fucking suck at yeah feeling things going into the emotions dealing with mm. emotional pain uh healing wounds traumas etc etc it's like how you actually use them. I mean, there's like many ways that you can use to actually go through that process and go through the pain and go through the, 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 the healing, like to, to, to bring all those emotions to the surface. Mm -hmm. It's one way, again, there's one, it's, it's, there's a way, right? It's like where you do that, where like you actually, you, like you said, it's, it's like kind of like that, I'm gonna enter this fucking ridiculous race. So I'm going to make this commitment and decision is just like, I've done it now. And it's just like holding yourself to that 
higher standard. Mm. This is what I like about, especially in, in, in the men's work, is it's like there's, there's lots of different approaches and yes, they, 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 they can all have a place and they can all work, but it's like, it tends to be, I find it's like, there's also a very individualistic uh, approach to that. And when you go and do something like physically and mentally, like, like, like not just physically and mentally challenging and hard, but like the toughest foot race in the fucking world. <laughs> and it's just like, you, you, you can't even run around a fucking block. That's, <laughs> that takes some fucking balls to do that. And it like takes some courage to do that. Cause it's just like, it's nothing's it's like, it, and that's kind of like uh, quite admirable in a sense. Like, look, I, I know nothing's getting me out of this. I need to really kind of kick my own ass into, in, into shape and, and do something. And, mm. and, and I, I, I tend to resonate with that too. It's just like, you go and take something on uh, mentally hard. It's like, you know, last week is like taking a bunch of guys out into the mountains in the South of Spain for a, a, a challenge is like we've gone for this thing about it's not a retreat <laughs> it's like not, not 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 saying it is is definitely not a retreat it's a challenge to put men into mm. that space of like is is when you go through that um really hard mental challenges like something that's probably the hardest thing you've ever done is is like it brings your shit up to the to the surface and that's something i think is uh yeah i'd like to go into because it's like I find that's very prevalent and I like it because there's no real there's no real like words or like or or coaching so much in in a sense to kind of like that will go through that but it's just like you when you take that on it's just like your your bullshit I say when I say your bullshit it's just like all this kind of inner pain emotional baggage all this shit mm. just that comes to the surface is that something you found as well when you like, yeah definitely I, I think it's it, it's worth saying that I accept what I did with, with the world's toughest foot race is it's quite extreme. Like I know most people in their right mind would be like, that's a fucking stupid idea. And, but, but that was just my challenge. That was something. And yeah, it also for me, it wasn't like I found this race one day and I was like, Oh yeah, sign up. This is actually a race that I've been looking at for a couple of years before I signed up. And I mean, I'd researched it, I'd read the books, I'd read the magazines, I'd read the articles. That's what I mean. Like, I, I was the one who was always in the bar saying like, oh, I'm going to do this race one day, get me another pint. And people were so bored of the story. Like, oh, oh fucking hell, Freddie in that race. Well, we've all done that. We all know that person. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that one day. So I signed up, I did it, but you're right. In terms of that that mindset shift and, and the, the race was bad, but also the preparation uh, beforehand. I mean, I say you're training for the Sahara Desert in Northwest England, which isn't quite like climatization. I did have to hang out in a lot of saunas, which is a whole different podcast probably, but um, and that's a whole sort of mental toughness. Um, but... Um, you, know, you, you try and train for the desert in is it in the northwest of the UK in um you know, in January morning when it's cold and dark and wet outside and and you don't want to get up you don't want to do it and yeah, things like my diet I knew I had to stop drinking I had to do all these things and when it almost makes it worse when you choose a big challenge because if you say to your mates like I'm training for a 10k next month they're like oh okay then all right. Yeah, you sometimes get a bit of slack. If you're like, I'm doing the world's toughest race in 18 months' time, 
this impossible goal in an impossible time scale, people just laugh. It's like the kind of like the um, uh, the Doctor Evil kind of when you say one billion dollars and the, the the goal is so big, everyone just laughs at you and takes the piss. It was a bit like that, and having that mental strength because everyone's saying you're not going to do that you'll never make it to the start line if you do make it to the start line you're probably going to die um why bother or why not just you know cut your losses and get your money back or at least just write off the money and just say it wasn't meant to be um yeah getting injuries in the training missing birthdays all these sorts of things all these small steps they're actually the reasons why I succeeded. Like the seven days in the desert, that was horrific and tough and terrible. But if I hadn't had all those miniature mindset steps in the 18 months beforehand, then they say, I would either have not got to the start line or I certainly wouldn't have got to the finish line. That's, and there's like, there's, I like the, the, the kind of the metaphors you can take from that too, because it's like, I look at that in terms of like your success in that was actually just showing up at the start line and all the mm. work that you've done in that 18 months. That's, that's the success part, isn't it? It's, just mm. like, it's like you've already in a way become, become that man already at the start line, no matter what happens in that race or whatever is just like the, you do the work that you've put in and the shifts you've had to fucking make and then mm. that to step up to is like it's that and it, this is the thing isn't it it's, it's like that behind the scenes that dirty work that that i always i like this it's like that kind of the dirty work the kind of unsexy shit the kind of mundane stuff the the boring stuff sometimes the shit you don't want to do um mm. And like, you know, when people think that you're fucking crazy, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, you're stupid. It's like, they're, they're always like good signs. It's just like, oh, okay, that means I'm on the right track. But it's definitely, it's, it's that I look at that as, as in like, yeah, your, your success was actually is just like the, the hard work that you, you put in to actually even get to the fucking start line. I mean, that's the thing. I, I knew I had to think like this because it's everything that I talk about and that I try and do in my own life is actually taking a real life practical view of things. Because again, when I was on my on my journey, as we say, you know, I I listened to the podcasts by Robbins. I had the books by Goggins. I tried to feel the fear and do it anyway. I, I, I tried to take on board all this kind of very generic mindset stuff that we all read about and we all hear about and some of it was good and some of it was useless you know I got bored of billionaire Tony Robbins telling me not to worry about money I got bored of Navy SEAL David Goggins telling me to stay hard which is always a bit weird anyway um reminds me of the soreness um but I was like I'm a guy who's like worried about his project deadline and thinking am I going to get fired from work and try to keep my marriage together and pay my mortgage and train for this bloody race that I signed up for how can I do this shit and in, in my head with the mindset I knew I couldn't just or I could but it wouldn't be a good idea just just think positive just just visualize the finish line just write down positive affirmations I knew that wouldn't work in real life because the facts were some people trained all their lives for this race and 50% of them wouldn't finish. Statistically, 
you know one or two people die every year on this race and again they're seasoned ultra runners who have been training for years and years for this i knew that there was a fairly decent chance i wouldn't finish and i hoped that obviously i wouldn't die because that would not be good when you, when you sign all the forms saying like you have to pay the waivers to have your body transported back to, to england and everything so i had to i said how, how do you keep a mindset that we all hear about also face the reality that you might fail and it's all very well bloody SAS Aunt Middleton talking about bursting your fear bubble up up Mount bloody Everest when you're an SAS soldier but when you're project manager Freddie Bennett and you haven't been in the SAS and you know you might fail how do you keep that mindset so so for me I had to think about I call this different ways to win and then you're totally right Craig it's how can in my head can I win if I only make it to the start line and not the finish line, how in my head can I win if I only do three days and then I have to get a helicopter evacuation? So I was trying to make all these mini goals in my head um, because I knew if I just said to myself, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish. And then if you know I got fucking bitten by a snake or something or I dehydrated or anything like that, if something happened out of my control, how could I design it so I didn't fall apart, so I didn't feel like a failure, so I didn't, you know, get back to England just thinking, ah, shit, it's all, all that 18 months was all for nothing. So I had to adapt my mindset and my perceptions of what victory was and what winning was to, to make sure that I could, I could be proud of myself no matter what the outcome was. Does a... There's a piece from that as well as like me saying about the Goggins stuff, the Ant Middleton stuff, and like the Tony Robbins, all this shit. And I have a thing about motivation. It's like you're in, like quite playful with it. Is like you know, I like to be quite playful with things. It's like don't grieve, not being a dick about it. Is is like even on like on Facebook, you know, you just in those little coloured boxes, you get those motivational quotes. And mm. it's like you know, you feel really good for like a few seconds, and then you like you don't do anything with it. And that, this is, is the difference, right, between, like, where it's, uh, I would say, like, where I speak, my motivation is bullshit. And it's, and you'll find that when you take on something hard, like, that's, like, really, like, where you have to dig deep, like, mentally. Like, where physical, like, you go beyond physical, right? It's just, like, where it's, like, the physical side being or the physically fit or how you perceive yourself in terms of like what your physical fitness is, is just like where it doesn't really matter. It's like, it's mm. mentality. It's like you look at like, even in like Navy SEAL training, you, you hear like, you know, you get these kind of all American athletes and that kind of turn up and they think, you know, I'm going to smash this because I'm a all American athlete. But then it's mm. like, you find, I think you find like a lot of those actually end up um, dropping out and quitting. Because it's like yeah. it's the thing is just like where it's like you understand with that that it's actually it's actually mentality. It's like man, your mentality takes over, but it's just like that's built. It's not something, mm. it's not something that's just a given. It's like you build that, and I think especially as men is like where you know it's like we we grow in challenge and like to seek out challenge and to do um, to do hard things is is where you build that mentality that's really transferable into into every other area but you've got to do it like over and over again and definitely and that's something i think for asking you like probably like during your training more than anything i think um 
is like, you know, because that's the piece, isn't it? One, I think once you have start line, um, not saying that it's, it's, it's easier, but it's just like to get to the start line. Mm. That's fucking really like that's really tough on its own. So it's like when is like how much of that was actually like motivation and where you actually actually switch gears and you fucking dig deep and like is actually go into that um deeper within yourself and find that kind of that mentality to kind of push through. I think you're you're right, yeah. Motivation only gets you so far. And it's the kind of thing where it's like many challenges that we that we embark upon, many different journeys we go on in life. At the start, it's really exciting. And we're like, yeah, I'm doing this. And everyone's like, oh, well, I can't believe it. You must be crazy. And you're like, yeah, but I'm going to do it. And it's all very well to get you out there. You know, six months down the line, when, you know, when it's Christmas, and I'm thinking I need to go and run 50 miles this week. And it's January and this race isn't for another 12 months and you know you're picking up little injuries and everything else that's that's when it's tough when when your wife's having to go at you because she's having to put the kids to bed again and I get to go out for a run again which rightly or wrongly uh, our, our partners see running as fun and like especially when you've got two young kids and everything you know, and, and they're all kicking off, and I'm like, okay, see you later, as you kind of like back it out the door quietly. And uh, it's all those, those little mental challenges, but then it is about having to dig deeper. And I think part of it is vision, and, and think about it, it has to be that that big audacious goal that, that we have to to aim for to, to keep us going. Um, I think part of it also is is around organisation. Um, so, you know, you, you, I could talk about motivation and an organisation and it's not quite as sexy as saying, you know, follow your dreams and pursue your passion and you only live once. But so much of this race was organisation. You know, you think of, of, of a standard, uh, you know, 40 litre backpack or thinking how carrying all of your food for a week in a little backpack on your bag even if you're going on a camping trip but enough food to carry you running a marathon every single day and then a day when you have to run two marathons and then wake up the next morning and run another marathon in the desert but try doing all that and not be able to change your pants and not able to have a shower afterwards and literally like down to my toilet paper for a week I had to carry myself and and try to like all these little things and I know people have had this. Like you, you think if you fall out, you know, if you get heat exhaustion halfway through, you get a helicopter rescue. It's quite a dramatic story. If um, you know, if halfway through you've realised you've you packed your, your your spaghetti bolognese ration and you're allergic to an ingredient and you start shitting yourself and you then you haven't got any soap and you haven't got a clean pair of pants and you have to leave the race that way. It's not quite so glamorous. But all these these different things all all add up, and it's that that theory of organisation and marginal gains, and that is so much of what came into it. The running is only a small part. The mindset is a massive part, but then the organisation and trying to think, well, what what happens if I run out of toilet paper and I've still got four days to go? What happens if um you know I get so my shoelaces break? 
on my on my one pair of shoes because I you can't nip down to Clark's or or you know or or Rebel Sports whatever it is and, and get another pair. You know what happens if a scorpion stings me? All these tiny little things that can make the difference between victory and and defeat. And you have to run through them and plan for them. And those are the small details that make the big difference. I even like the, the bit you said there as well, because it's like, it's, it's all that kind of the, the wow factor of like, oh, wow, the kind of the toughest foot race in the world. And like, wow, they're training for that. But it's also those things are like, yeah, but like, you know, even like your, your family challenges and personal mm. challenges and all the training where it's just like, you know, your relationships and in your family life is just like where it's it's where you mentioned that as well as like where it's you know your wife's having a go at you because you're going out for a run again and it's just like where mm. is do you do you find did you find that like a bit of a lonely journey because it's like you know if like people are like what the fuck are you doing or don't believe in you or like they think you're fucking crazy or like giving you shit and like you said like you're kind of get having wife's having a go at you again because you're going mm. on a run is just like how how lonely did you feel on that in that training? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, like really, really lonely. Because I say, if we all know those people who are like athletes, you know, like the the, the guy who does Ironman races all the time, or the person who's the runner, and you know, if that's who they've always been, then people you know, grow up knowing. You know, it, it, it's Dave the triathlete. It's James the ultra runner. I was Freddie the drinker, and and <laughs> not quite as impressive. Dave the Iron Man, Freddie the pisser, and um, so it was a big change. And, and people go on that kind of like change curve where first they laugh at you, and then they don't believe you, and then they doubt you, and then when they it's a horrible thing to say, but once they they saw me carrying on, you know, doing running they almost start to get quite pissed off and, and you see then you, in a way you find out who your friends are um because there were the people that were like oh my god i think you're actually going to do this and then you get the people that are like oh mate just give it up you know just come down the pub you proved your point do you think and then yeah you get the whole like, do you think better than us oh you know the little jokes come in oh freddie's a runner now freddie's you know It'll be a salary juice for Freddie and all this sorts of thing. And the little digs start to come in. And, and yeah, you're right. You know, my, my wife had an incredibly tough time because she was working. We had two really small kids. We've got bills to pay. Um, yeah, there was lots of, of change going on in our lives at the time. I mean, she was struggling on many occasions. And for her to say, I'm really struggling. And for me to then say, yeah, I, I, I really hear you. But I need to go and run 10 miles now. It's a very brave thing to say, and uh, and it was. You know, I have to say, she was hugely supportive. But she did find it tough, um, because she she hadn't signed. You know, I had literally signed up for this. She hadn't. I I turned up one day from work, and I was like, "Guess what I've done? Isn't this exciting?" And she was just like, "You fucking idiot!" And then I think she cried, and. Um, I say, you know, she literally didn't sign up for this. So, so, yeah, then she became the the runner's wife. And again, if it's all very well if you're if you're the SAS guy with you know the, getting the SAS money for for doing these things, or you're the Bear Grylls guy who's getting on TV. I wasn't making any. I was paying thousands and thousands of pounds for this. I wasn't making any money. So yeah, it was really tough. And like I say, you you do find out who your friends are, and some people. 
who I thought would really be supportive and really back me on this. A lot of them were, were the people that really, you know, that doubted me. And, um, and then people that I hadn't really ever spoken to, they were the ones that came out and were like, I think this is amazing. You know, this is really awesome. And something like that makes you question everything in terms of yourself, other people, your relationships, the stories you tell yourself everything changes and at the time that could be quite painful but then looking back you were i think you realize it is worth it yeah there's so much kind of um just it goes so much deeper than doesn't it? it's just like oh you know just like training to sign up for this race the fancy the shiny bit right the shiny bit mm. like, oh wow it's a great story of like sign up for this race couch to hardest race in the world and then it's like yeah but then it's like you say the struggles with family and the wife calling you a fucking idiot and I'm going to go mm. and run. And then it's like, you know, even that thing as well, where it, it's, is you find out, like you say, you find out who your friends are and the support mm. people. And like, actually, you know, that's, that's a big thing too, because it's like, it might mean actually is just like where you kind of, you distance yourself some, from certain people and mm. relationships and friendships. And it's like, you can be surprised of who they are as well. And that's sometimes it's like a, there's, there's a lot of emotional stuff in that too, isn't there? Because it's like mm. a bit of a stab. You think, fuck, man. It's like these people that I thought were my friends are actually like not supportive. And especially as guys, there's a, there's mm. a few guys where it's like, is like, yes, where we use humor and ribbing and, and taking the piss is like, is a camaraderie piece. But then there's also a kind of a underlying vindictive kind of passive aggressive way of using that as well mm. um that like where it's just like kind of to pull you down because it's like when you go through a, a transformational process when you make changes in your lives it's just like it's a reflection for other people too isn't it and like especially if mm. it's around you know you know the, the guy kind of culture like you know down a pub just fucking drinking watching the footy smoking all these all these sorts of things is like when you actually start to change that and it's become a person it's very reflective to to other guys mm. they don't want to see that about themselves um and definitely it's like it's like so it's just like oh let's put freddie down and it's not mm. i'd say generally it's not intentionally because i think people like unconsciously don't know they're doing that but it's just like it's you still don't want to fucking be around that so it's just like it makes you no. really, like in terms of relationships is like make sure you evaluate like or have to evaluate evaluate mm. all of your fucking relationships and that can hurt when it's just like the people that you want the the support from or the encouragement from is you don't mm. and I, but i think that's really useful too because that's really painful but it's also very freeing and it's just kind of like where you go like you know what i don't you don't need people's fucking validation you don't need people to kind of understand what you're doing or to get it and like where you don't rely on the that kind of looking for outside support stuff and that's what i was asking about that the kind of the loneliness mm. in that and it's like where that's not it's not just about training for a race it's actually it's like it's, it's probably gonna it's gonna impact every single area of your life and is is almost like life will not be the same after this because of those all those processes that kind of go on definitely and i think and, and you're totally right and you know yeah for me it was running the desert for for someone else 
it um it might be uh, you know starting a business or moving to to a different country or you know starting a relationship or ending a relationship and we've we've all been there where we're like it's like you're quite tentative and you're like guys i've had this idea i'm thinking about doing this Everyone's like, oh, that's a fucking stupid idea. And you're like, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, what was I thinking? And then you go back in your shell. And that scares me so much. Well, I think so many people have this. Yeah, this this could be a, an amazing new path of their life. It's finally being the man that they are destined to become. And they take that first step and everyone's like, ah, what a loser. What do you think you're doing? And you're like scampering back. And then you're like, and they never become that person that you're always destined to be. I find that terrifying. But and you'd be right in terms of the, the loneliness. And it is a lonely road. And, and again, thinking and it was a training for the desert. I think other things I've done in my life, you know, moving to New Zealand, different businesses, different relationships, different challenges. I think we fear the loneliness sometimes um, because, you know, we're, we're naturally sociable creatures, especially as guys, you know, you want to be in the tribe, you want to be in the, in the wolf pack, you want to be part of the gang. But if, I think if you look at the, you know, we're, we're all great men, every man is great. But if you look at the, you know, the, the famously great men, the, yeah, the, the, the athletes, the entrepreneurs, the Michael Jordans, the Elon Musks, the, you know, Steve Jobses, all of these people, at one stage, they stepped out on their own and they didn't care that people told them they were wrong. They didn't care that people were laughing at them. Uh, they didn't care about all these things. They stayed on their path, even though it was a lonely path. And they stepped forward and they made it happen. And now they're just like, well, who's laughing now? And they have to say it's it's because they had that self-belief and that faith. I think that's one thing that, that I got, that that could only come from doing something that you didn't think that you could do, from, from proving to yourself that you can be extraordinary. And I believe that anyone can be extraordinary. We all deserve to be extraordinary. But it's only when you see the evidence of your greatness that you start to believe and you start to have that bravery to, to, to walk that, that lonesome path. There's a lot of courage in that. I remember... Um like you said is like where for you it was the auto race i think for me it was like just packing up what i could fit in my peugeot 206 and mm. like uh, this clapped out peugeot 206 and like driving um from the uk uh from all the way through spain to to malaga and with like no plan like hardly any fucking money and people are like what, what are you doing it's just mm. like, and, I, and i'm just like you know what i kind of don't even know at the minute but it's just like all I know is just like that it's is this it just I there's there's that part where it's just like I uh, just trust myself this is the right decision and sometimes it's like they don't seem logical and I really like those um, shifts of like the ones that don't seem fucking logical um, mm. to other people and it's just like where in in doing that I mean even that process is like looking at that where it's just like where when I did that it's like I made loads of fuck ups when I when I first went to Malaga it's just like um f yeah f fucking fucked up loads but this part of me is like i knew i think coming from a military environment is like it felt like i'd a couple of years after where i'd, I'd kind of got depressed and like uh, lost that kind of edginess a bit and it was just like fuck man is like i need i need to put myself in a position where it's 
I'm going to find something challenging because I, so I have to put myself in that position to grow and just like where I've got no other choice. Mm. Like for you, it's like signing up for the race. And for me, it was like it was moving, um, driving across to Malaga with like no fucking really idea what I was doing. And yeah, making a load of fuck ups in the process. But it's like that. Um, it's like these are the things that people are afraid to do. Mm. it's like for me it's always comes back to to courage it's just like having the courage to do something where you might actually fuck it up and you're probably going to like have failures and it's probably going to be like um really difficult and really challenging mm. it's just like is but you kind of accept that that is actually is that's a, the, one of the most important parts of of the process too is just like oh it's just like it's yeah those 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 failures are just they're just lessons. It's like the only it's like that only real um, failure is if you if you stop. Mm. That's it. But people definitely I mean, a lot of people don't, and that's the mentality. Is just like and it, it's and people don't see that. They look and like it's it's everything's like kind of it's kind of natural for humans, isn't it? We we, we wish everyone would be like non-judgmental and critical, but like you know, good luck with that. It's it's. Been mm. kind of, kind of grow a thick skin with that too and like realize people are going to do that and leaving people closest to you and it's um it's yeah from the outside it might be like what the fuck are you doing definitely like and you just kind of like you get to a point though don't you where you think where you just like you just not even you just don't explain yourself because like Mm. to explain yourself is just like don't need you to understand it's just like i'm doing this but like you gotta i think sometimes it's that like you being prepared to to not not to confuse this with like the being the lone wolf which i think is a fucking um term for men um but it's like sometimes when you're going off in a different direction and people you're misunderstood and it's it's like yeah you you've got to be prepared to i think um part of that uh, journey being a lonely one um, definitely and it has to be but it's just like I think being prepared for that and I think that's what really a big part of what scares people because it's just like to be like it's just like it's just you mm. um, absolutely right and then I'd had let's see I, one moment always <laughs> it sticks in my mind you know I think it's day five of, of day five and day six of, of, of this race. It's what they call the long day. So if you think about it, you know, it's 55 degree heat. You've got your, your little backpack with your sort of your, your meal that you have that you make with lukewarm water. You can't change your pants or your socks. You sleep in the dirt every night and you run a marathon and you get up, you do another marathon. You know, go sleep in the dirt, get up, do another marathon, sleep in the dirt, get up, do another marathon. And then after that, it's the what they call the long day, which is double marathon. So it's 52 odd miles. So I'd started when the sun came up, basically, you know, six, seven in the morning. I'd run all the way through the day. And then I was running through the night. So being in the middle of the Sahara Desert at night, and they said at that moment, the nearest other humans to us were up in the International Space Station. Like, that's just a crazy thing, right, in terms of how remote you are. Uh, yeah, like the nearest humans up in space. And um, and I literally was being pitch black in the desert on my own, dehydrated. I was lost. I was pissing blood. I was dehydrated. 
tired. I'd never done that kind of distance in my life before. And um, that loneliness and, and trying to find the strength just to put one foot in front of the other, like that's, yeah, it's, it's a weird way of describing it. Like it's, you almost get this detachment from yourself. Like at some stage I was almost laughing just because it was so ridiculous, this situation. I was like, how, how is this actually real? That I'm, I'm just, just this everyday office worker who's in this environment, I shouldn't be here. But no one was coming to save me. And I had to take that next step and the next step. And, and that's when we find that true strength to, to get ourselves out of this situation. Because even, even then I couldn't really put my hand up and just say, right, you know, I'm done. I want to get out. Because it, I, was, I need to get to a checkpoint. I need to be, be rescued or something. You have just to, to find a way forward. And I think it's only when we put ourselves in those situations that's when we do find the the strength because we have to we have to find a way we simply must even if we don't believe in ourselves even if we you know the, all the voices and the taunts and the doubts come back and you know they, they haunt us like ghosts but we still have to find that way forward because that's that's what life is you have to you can't just you know unplug the games console and say game over you have to somehow get out of the situation and that's when we can really discover our, our two true capabilities and, and strengths what what was the, like for you like the, the the worst or the most challenging part of the the race where like you know it's just like where you you kind of like you, you basically you're struggling the fucking most i think that moment in say lost in the middle of the desert at two o'clock in the morning on my own was was certainly up there there's something about the relentlessness of it like i said i, I staggered across that that daily finish line at like you know three or four in the morning delirious they kind of say right you know do we need to stick an iv in you or not if not then they just kind of leave you and like no kind of there's no this kind of like go back to your hotel room and then get up for breakfast the next morning and go for another little run like you're literally sleeping in the dirt and then to go through that experience and I have to get up the next day and run another marathon like that was that was the brutality of it I think just the relentless of it you'd hit one milestone and everything in your being wants to celebrate and say ah oh, yeah, check me out I've done this I've done that brilliant thing like no one cares like you having to get up the next day eat your, your cold porridge can't still can't have a shower and then do another marathon like it's just ridiculous thinking about it and, and then it's weird as well like one of the weirdest moments was when I got home afterwards because you kind of you you have the big fanfare and you get the medal and you do the media stuff and everything else and then it was kind of you make the promises to yourself about life's going to be different now and you know I've, I've, I've been on this journey and it was the Hollywood ending where I got the medal and everything and the fanfare and, and, and then I found myself sat on my sofa again saying like oh quite fancy a beer now quite fancy a Domino's you know and, and then and that's almost when, when the real journey started in, in a way or certainly the part two of the journey because I was like, am I going to dine out on this story? Like, I've got a story now I can dine out on for the rest of my life. I can do the podcast. I can write the book, everything. And it was really tempting just to be like, you know, just to be the um, 
like the boxer who um, who finishes the boxing career and then just gets fat and opens a bar and and that's it lets himself go and i was i was doing this i was like i could maybe start drinking again maybe get on the on the pizzas again and then you know i realized if i did that it would all be for nothing the you know my dad's death the the journey through the desert the training all the, the mental and physical lessons i learned myself if I literally went back to the way that I used to be, I thought then what was the point of it? And, and that's what I had to go forward and, and find the next challenge and the next challenge. Um, because I, I knew that I wouldn't be doing myself justice if I just had this crazy week or you know, crazy 10 days. I then just went back to the way things were because things, we always say, don't we? I'm, I'm going to change, you know, like a business failure. I've learned my lesson, relationship failure. I'm going to change. I'm going to be a different person these days. And then stresses and trials and tribulations come upon us and we revert back to our, our, our habitual based behaviours, which for me was beer and pizza and being like a drunken dick. It would have been so easy, especially with like then COVID around the corner and everything else. Um, yeah, there were no more adventures for me no more I could just sit on my own and feel sorry for myself again so so that then that decision to go forward into new challenges and keep testing myself rather than just saying job done world's toughest race tick um, enjoy that guys that was was a tough one as well that's I, I think probably that's the, the the best point out of all of this is that it's like is yeah all the cool stuff it's like wow what you know what a story that kind of like hollywood story mm. that, in terms of all the struggle and stuff but then it's like it's actually the most important part of that is actually when you're finished when you go home mm. and back into everyday life and that's i find that is the the hardest part of of anything like that and it's it's you see this across as well you see this like in even in self-development like the seminars or the mm. events it's just like all plant medicine retreats or um even like the 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 challenge it took the guys for last week in the mountain mm. it's just like it's it's like yeah that's that's good and like you go through some process but it's like that's not the that's not really the challenge the challenge is like okay when you go back is you've shifted in a way that is like you cannot go back to what you were doing before because if you do is you will slip deeper into states of d depression not wanting to be here all of these because it's like you've raised your standard and your baseline so mm. high that it's just like that's your new level and if you drop below that you're going to feel worse than you did before because now you have a contrast before you didn't have a contrast that was just normal that's just how you felt mm. that was just normal so it's like when you've actually done that and then it's like, then you slip back, it's fucking, it, it's, ex, it, it's extremely um, much more detrimental. I feel mm. like, and that's the thing of like, you, you, I think the understanding piece of that is like that mentality is just like, it's something you have to practice like all the time. And that's like you say that unsexy, it's the mundane, it's like, day to day mm. is not the fucking shiny objects or the seminars or the, the 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 tony robbins events or this or that or blah 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 it's just like it's uh it's like when you get when you get back mm. that's the hard part and i think there's the certain you know, i think we all know those people and we've all been those people potentially you know with 
uh, I'm not a, an ex-military man, but I know, you know a lot of my mates were in the military. It, it, we all know that person is in the bar, like, yep, I was in the Paris, I was in the Paris 10 years, I was talking to one guy, and he was like, yep, you know, I was... Uh, I was a desert rat. I'll tell you about the stories from me being a desert rat. And I was like, Fun. Gulf War One. That's like 1990 or something. Well, that's 30 years ago. And they're like, Yeah, you know, I was. I, I saw. I saw some action. You know, back in there, uh, back in Kuwait. And it's still dying out on those stories. And it's like that's. I mean, yeah, it's obviously amazing stuff that, that anyone that served in. But that's it. It's 30, he's still telling the story. 30 years ago and they're amazing stories and and as I say it's not to get to go against any sort of anyone that served in the military but it's anyone who's achieved any kind of victory in the past I think I think yeah Tim Grover talks about this a lot with his work in, in the NBA next what's next on to the next one it's not dining you know the, the Michael Jordans and the Kobe Bryant's yeah, uh, yeah the, the um uh Tom Brady's it's it's not about saying, look at my championship rings and look at my trophies. It's about on the next one, the next one, the next one. I think we can all, you know, we're not all you know, special forces, soldiers or athletes, but we could always, challenge. Yeah, there's always another business, another book, another journey, another adventure, another yeah, charity expedition. There's always something that we can be doing to, to propel ourselves forward. It is, mate, and it is like you're saying is like you're not all athletes or like Michael Jordan's or Kobe's, but there's there's a there's a mentality that you can build. It's like you don't have to do it to that level. This is the thing, mm. but you can build that, and it's super important. And I find, you know, I can't speak for women, but it's like as a man, it's just like I feel that is so so important. And even the military side, right? It's just like where you know I had that in the military, super easy because you're also surrounded by it. This is the thing, mm. you're surrounded by structure, you're surrounded by shared missions, you're surrounded by people get it, support, all of these things. And like things are actually like people are like, oh, that must be really hard. I'm like, not really, it was fucking easy. Like, mm. And I mean that like being in there depends as well as like what kind of person you are, but I was like, not really. It was like I just found like um things easy because I like that sort of shit anyway. It's just like, and it's easier when it's like you have all these structures, these these leadership um, hierarchies, and like the system that you're in is actually is like it's it's extremely useful for that, and like it's it is actually pretty fucking easy, and that's the opposite of what a lot of people think. And I can only speak for myself with that. Um, mm. But it's the it's coming out, and like you know, I. I fucking struggled when I when I came out and I didn't understand I didn't understand why because it's just like well mm. I'm this person but it's like yeah but like it's it's you had all those things around you I think that's why a lot of people do struggle from uh, the, the military as well in like I mean I do I, I certainly get that and it's something that I've, I've been even struggling with recently in terms of it's that question of who, who am I authentically because again I, I know I say, I know, I've I've had family members in the military who struggled with this. In the military, uh, you, know, you are told you know, what to do, what to think, all this structure, but you're still your own person. And then you go out of the military, and all of a sudden, every, society tells you that you're wrong, or you, that person that you thought you were for the last two, five, 10, 15 years, that's not allowed anymore. Oh, yeah, that, that person is wrong, or that person needs to wriggle themselves in or be different or act different and they're like well shit who, who am i and then you start going through life second guessing everything i think like you know, 
am I saying the right thing? Am I doing, am I being the right person today? And that's not a nice way to live because you kind of, you will walk on eggshells all the time. It's, it's terrible, mate. And I can attest to that as like, uh, like in the mid, like super confident, like big character, big personality is just like, um, I loved it. And then it was like left. And it's like you said, it's just like, it's, it's, it's people saying like, really, I found more criticism and judgment uh, and, and like people being overly concerned with what you're doing or, or saying outside than inside mm. the military because it's very non-PC you can get away with a lot more in the, in, in the military it's really mm. enjoyable there's a lot of freedom in that and I, I really love yeah. that you can just really be fully yourself but it's just like on the outside it was like oh no that's people don't like that here so mm. it's like, I found it's like really like without knowing because I've not really done any like work on myself like you know like inner work self-development etc but mm. um um but it, it was like yeah it was just like i started to suppress myself got really depressed like anxiety i've never really like experienced anxiety before and it was just like mm. it was it felt horrendous it felt horrendous and that's when i got um started to kind of working on myself and doing the work and that and it was just like understanding because it's like i actually really liked um, myself in most parts I did some you know shitty things in, in the military like I was a, a big uh, cheater cheating on my relationships all this sort of stuff but mm. you know, that that aside which is like stuff to, to 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 deal with as well but it's like it's all in all is like I generally actually like quite liked kind of who I was and like that kind of being that kind of big energy and stuff but then it's like it's like almost like that too much like mm. too much or too intense or it's you swear a lot and it's like <laughs> what the expression you know you swear like a sailor I was like well I'm fucking what's a fucking sailor <laughs> but, but it's it, it, it's that and that was like I realized that it was like that that was actually one of the most important things to me is it's like whatever I do mm. from now on if like it's like I it's like it has to be from the place where it's like I can just really I can I can fully I can just fully be myself and how I want and not and kind of not give a fuck um, yeah that was actually i've like I've, I, I've had that i think it's the opposite from what a lot of people have because it's like i had that freedom for so many years in the military and then mm. when i came out is when i started to experience this thing that i think you know the majority of people go through and i was like this is fucking bullshit it was like this is like i, I like the, the contrast was like ridiculous so it was just kind of from then i was just like well i'm do exactly what the fuck I want to do and and be exactly how I fucking want and if people aren't okay with that not in a not in a resentful vindictive way but it was that I was quite resentful for a while but there was just like mm. when you understand the deeper parts of why that happens and why people do that it's just like they're not giving a fuck it's just like cool it's just like and be willing to not be around people Mm. Like that, and it's just like I'll just go off on my fucking own, and that's that loneliness piece as well. It's like being prepared to go walk your own path, and like I want to go off on my own, do my own thing, loneliness. And it's just like I always refer it to like it's like you if you're on a if you're driving the bus, I'm going in this direction, I'm being this person. It's like I'm driving the bus. Is this mm. like get on or get off anytime you fucking want, and that's fine. It's like Definitely, no, no, no hard feelings, but it's like I'm, it's like I'm not sacrificing. Um, who I enjoy being for mm. anyone else's fucking comfort or it makes someone uncomfortable or it's like someone might get offended or someone's overly sensitive or whatever 
And that's a lot. That's actually a lot to deal with, though, because it's just like you, you. If you generally like don't want to be a dick, and you're not a dick, it's just like it's. But it, it's to some people it can seem that way because it's people aren't okay with with actually them being themselves. And it's like I, I look at that in terms of like it's in a lot of work I do with men. It's like a, a lot of it really at the roots is like shadow work as well. Yeah. It's it's like and it's like, oh it's like some it's like what you're actually showing people is something that is actually is they believe and feel is not allowed in themselves mm. or they have to suppress in themselves. And when they see that, it's like, you can't be like that. You can't do that. And understanding that piece was 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 um, huge for me. I think that's why, again, is like I like, not that I enjoy it, it just seems to be a natural byproduct of like where it's like poking and provoking. Mm. It's like, it's not really a tactic. It's just like, I don't do it on purpose, but it's like, I, I enjoy it when like, it, it's like people um you can see people like it's like um it's like get offended or they get tr triggered and the word word triggered mm. <laughs> it's like it just doesn't like affect now because you understand why that happens in people and actually yeah it's like people actually fucking need that as well exactly and i think you're you're, you're totally right in the uh, what what's worse being on a bus and triggering a few people and pissing some people off and having people maybe talk about you behind your back i'd still rather do that than be at the bus stop my whole life just being full of regret and resent looking at everyone else driving their bus and saying oh bastards you're off on your buses but i couldn't go on my bus because I wasn't allowed to, or I, I had to make sacrifices, or I had to put my family for or this or that. And there's always an excuse. Sometimes you've got to get on your bus and uh, and go on your journey. And so, as you say, sometimes people want to get on it, sometimes they want to get off it. But you're the only one that's going to reach your destination. And uh, I think you've you've got to be happy when you get there. There is, and I think one of the the, the kind of the caveats um, or the the paradoxes to to that as well is just like when you actually become because it will show you stuff about yourself, right? It's like the mirror effect, isn't it? It's just like it's mirrors mm. to you too. It's just like, but it's like it's it's where the more comfortable you are with yourself, the more centered and grounded what you are of yourself, the more like you love yourself. Um, the more again, it's like you're accepting of yourself because that's a big piece is acceptance. Is mm. you kind of don't give a fuck, and not in a like a bad way. <laughs> the people who go around saying, "Well, oh, I don't give a fuck," what people think is like, "Well, you probably actually do more than most." Yeah, it's just like you're just like, "Okay, cool." That's that's <laughs> that. It's just like it's just like okay, it's like cool, that's fine, and um, because mm. it's like because you don't is like you don't need those things, and it's like you're not looking for something. You, you're not looking. You're trying to be like a a people pleaser or mold yourself to what kind of like okay where. Where just like other people feel comfortable, and you focus on other people's comfort. It's just like no, mm. actually, I'm really fucking good um, with with who I am, and it's just like it's like if that's not okay with people, it's like um, that's fine. It's like just go somewhere else. Yeah, I used to uh, I used to be so bad at this. Like the the people pleaser, I used to hate hate conflict. I used to hate upsetting people. I used to hate having to say no to people or hearing people say no to me and i i bend like a bloody yoga expert just to kind of please them and uh yeah 
it's just a horrible way to live because you're always on edge, you're always anxious, you're always saying like, is, is this person going to be annoyed if I do that? But then if I do that, I'm going to annoy that person and then they might not like me. And then like, it's, it's stressful and it's tiring. And um, yeah, it, I've got to be, it's still a process that I'm learning now because um, I know I very much like to be liked, and it's part of my persona to be liked earlier. The, the friendly, funny, Freddy, yeah, everyone loves Freddy. But then sometimes we've got to go and love ourselves and put ourselves first and, and, and just make the things that we want to happen in our life because, yeah, that's what my dad's death taught me is that, you know, he when he woke up that morning he didn't know he was going to die and i we it's a cliche but none of us know what's coming around the corner as i say it's one of my favorite phrases life's too short to live someone else's dream and uh, and that's what i think we all have to remember yeah that's it's, it's a funny one as well because i i never got because I, I i kind of came from the opposite side of the fence to that in terms of like i think coming from the military and like um kind of about the personality and energy and stuff is just like where it was like um it, i had to soften a little bit <laughs> you know mm. that's, that's still for me as well that's 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 the thing as well is it's like it's it's still is like softening and, and being okay with with, with with kind of being being softer as well mm. it's like where it's like just you know almost to survive in a military environment it's like you gotta have a thick skin it's like it's yeah. really good it's like lots of good things are like where it's like you know the camaraderie is just like the level of banter and giving each other shit. It's just like it's, it's, it's kind of like for men. I think that's a really key piece that men don't have, and why mm. so people pleasing and kind of sensitive. But it's just like, um, like, like I used to like love saying no, like conflict, you know, no war is not in an aggressive way. But just like mm. I just wasn't really kind of bothered by it because um, again, you have a lot of that again being in the military, being a chef as well, working in the kitchen. It's like double booking. It's, <laughs> it's like a, it's it's a really interesting place to be, but yeah. So it's like you can you can see that. But what I, what I seen was just like where oh, it's just like where like uh, a lot. I think a lot of guys come from that place of like you know it's like the the people pleasing. They know you don't want to say no to people. It's like that nice guy stuff, isn't it? And it's just mm. like, you want to be and such a nice guy. Where I would come from more of the opposite side of like ah, oh, you're a dick. I'm like, I'm okay with it because it's like generally it's just like I know it's like I know where I'm coming from like I'm generally it's like quite joyful and like it's just my it's probably it's like sense of humor and, and character that I really enjoyed and I know there's mm. like um bad intentions with that but like a lot of people don't get it and that's okay but there's like yeah there's those two sides of the fence isn't it I think one is like super nice guy and kind of like need to you know it's like having this the spine bit more of a spark yeah. and some kind of um balls in a way and then it's like the the kind of the other side it's kind of like almost too rigid and hard and kind of needs to soften and, and be a bit more heart-centered um, definitely yeah i've i've i've, 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 I've <laughs> generally two two sides of the coin with that 100 percent believe <laughs> nice dude uh i think that's a good place to so end up, man, that was great. It's like I loved, uh, I loved that, like talking about all that shit. Because it goes, this is a thing as well. Really, mm. like, just from that conversation is just like it's like, oh wow, is this like Freddie did this hardest race in the world from the couch? But it's like, yeah, but it's like that's that's scratching the surface. There's so much mm. deeper than that. 
There's so much uh, that goes into that that's actually like is is that's I'm not saying the real challenges because obviously that race is, is like but and a term like that people can relate to on an everyday basis. Mm. What I mean, of like you know the family struggles and like with the wife, the friendships and the relationships and like you know the the support or like you know kind of the loneliness and mm. the, the relentlessness and the hardness is like there's there's so much in that that I think is actually you can break down it's super relatable um, when you can definitely like any and it's not even a race is it generally it's just like it's any kind of big challenge where it's just like fuck and you, you're like it's like you don't know if you can actually do it it's like it seems impossible but it's just like mm. oh let's well this is the thing right it's just like well let's find out it's the only way well exactly know. it's the only way you're gonna know it's just like let's find out and see what happens and I, I always say, you know, yeah, it was a big extreme race, but really for me, it wasn't about the extreme adventure. It wasn't about the, it wasn't even about the running or the fitness. For me, what it boils down to is it's about time and it's about us following our goals and doing that crazy, stupid shit that no one else would really, really understand why you did it apart from you and I say a lot of it it's really it's about avoiding a life of regret and life of bitter I, I could still be that guy yeah. you know, that that guy drinking beers on the sofa every night say oh I've always wanted to do that race but I, my wife wouldn't let me or then Covid hit or I, my work got too busy I could have quite easily stayed in that just like anyone I, I wanted to start that business I wanted to do that marathon i wanted to go to that place i wanted to move to a different country ah uh, but my family wouldn't let me ah uh, but you know, there's always an excuse and that's it for me deep down what it always comes down to is time we only get one shot at this we only get one chance to live that life of greatness so you know why not do the bold thing and, and have the time of your life i thought you were going to go to an m, &M riff then yeah. <laughs> one shot dun, dun, dun. <laughs> nice man um, like where where can um, guys follow you if they want to kind of find out a bit more about what you're doing bro? yeah no worries uh, so the best place to find me is on Instagram I'm at the Freddie Bennett which is uh, yeah, the F-R-E-D-D-I-E B-E-N-N-E-T-T, uh, or my website is um, Freddie M for money, Bennett.com. Um, also, my book, Starting at Zero, yes. is available on Amazon and wherever books are sold, which is quite literally the playbook to making your dreams come true when everything else is fucked. And uh, that, that's the playbook for how anyone can go from where they don't want to be to making their goals and dreams come true. So what was the, what was the title for any of your book? Starting at zero. Starting at zero. I see. I see. I completely forgot about your book because I was like, I was just so fucking like. No, so again, because yeah, by, uh, by the by the by the race story, but yeah. It's like, no, that's good. But that's what what we feel like when we're starting a new job, a new relationship, living in a new country, trading for a race, whatever it might be. It always feels like we're starting at zero. So. Here's how you start and then make your, your dreams come true. But it's designed for people who who are real, who have real lives and real jobs, live in the real world, not your your Californian 
permatanned billionaires. It's for, for, for people like us who just want to get shit done and live a life without regret. Nice, dude. Awesome, buddy. That was uh, that was great. Was, uh, pleasure. Thanks for coming on, dude. No, always a pleasure. Happy to come back. And yeah, thanks to to you, Craig, for, for everything you do. Uh, yeah, I've, I've followed you for a long time. I've seen your work firsthand. You truly are a master and you do amazing things. So I believe you know, anyone anyone who wants to make amazing things happen in their life should um, should be giving you a call. I appreciate that, mate. I appreciate that. Pleasure. There's some bromance going on there. I know, exactly. You didn't even have to pay me either. <laughs> okay. Well, not, not for the compliment at least, but that's another story, isn't it, Greg? Probably a good place to end there. <laughs> nice one, mate. Pleasure.